0: welcome to the podcast stream for the sermons from orchard hill church we are so thrilled that you found us if you have questions about our church or want to support us financially head over to our website ohohio.com. we'd love to hear from you enjoy starting in isaiah it says comfort comfort my people says your god Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And this from Revelation 21. And then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us today. I'm going to go ahead and dismiss our fourth and fifth grade class to go with Adam and Blake. So if you have a fourth or fifth grader, they can head out with him for a time uh, together. We're really excited to be beginning our Advent season together. I'm going to talk a little bit about what that is. Uh, But first, I, I came across a study this week. Um, that basically proves that when it comes to Christmas, there's still things that we get wrong. The study was about the most misheard or missung Christmas lyrics. Songs that people sing, but maybe they sing the wrong thing, but they don't realize it. And some of these are kind of ridiculous, but I think it's funny because there's actual scientific study about this that proves... That just because you've heard it your whole life doesn't mean you actually know what's going on. I want to give you some of these lyrics. For instance, this one actually shocked me at my 44 years of age. 12 days of Christmas, the real lyric, on the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four collie birds, collie birds, which is like an old phrase for like a songbird. Um, Of course, misheard lyric on the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four calling birds which I think I've sung that my whole life, right? I know this song. No, you don't. Uh, sleigh Ride. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you who? The misheard lyric. Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you fool. God, can you imagine? <laughs> you fool. <laughs> Merry Christmas, fools. Um, Frosty the Snowman. This a little little blue with a corncob pipe and a button nose. Some people sing with a corncob pipe and a butt and nose. (laughs) That's very popular with my youngest. Uh, he will mishear that his whole life. Joy to the world. Let men their songs employ. Misheard lyric. There's let men their sins enjoy. Talk about complete opposite Of what we're going for this reminds me one of my best friends from college his name is cullen he was telling me this when we were in college that he had like a revelation in church one time the first time the lyrics to oh holy night were put on the screen so he grew up in south louisiana he said i was a kid who loved christmas songs and i also loved planet of the apes and so when it came to the point in oh holy night where it's like fall on your knees He didn't think they were saying, fall on your knees. He thought they were saying, oh, Cornelius, like the ape. And so until he was like 21 in church, they're singing the, like, think about the words before this, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Oh, Cornelius, ridiculous so funny. Every time I sing that song uh, and now, like I'm in church, I'm like, oh, Cornelius. I think it's hilarious. Um, we can be familiar with things and yet sometimes get it completely wrong. Uh, I think it's interesting that every year when we come into Christmas, there's parts of Christmas that I think our culture nails. And there's other parts that I feel like, man, we're just so far away. We are we're singing, "O oh, Cornelius, instead of fall on your knee. Like we are completely changing and missing the meaning of things. And I, I love that the church has a season leading up to Christmas to help us remember what this whole story is all about. It's a season called Advent. Some of you grew up in churches that talked about Advent and did Adventy stuff. Some of you didn't. That's cool. Um, I want to kind of walk through what the Advent season is today as we kind of start off in this journey for this season, because I've learned this over time. I grew up, I didn't grow up practicing Advent. I thought it was interesting or weird the first time I heard about it. Uh, but the moment I gave myself over to say, well, what's this really about? Um, I saw that, man, I need seasons that will draw my heart and my eyes and my focus back to what the real story is about where I'm not getting it wrong even though I think I know the words but I'm really drawn into a new thing so so advent is a season of waiting the word advent literally is about arrival the advent of Christ the arrival of Jesus and so the entire season of advent is about waiting uh, which is great because we are a people who have to wait on things we don't we live in a society of instant gratification but let's be honest most of what really matters are things that we have to wait for and anticipate And even in the kingdom of God, the story of God, if you think about the story of scripture from like creation to new creation, in the middle are incredible things, but also a lot of waiting. The story of Advent is a story really of two arrivals. It's the the story of the arrival of the Messiah, like the incarnation, the birth of, of Jesus, which is where we get at Christmas. But it's also about the arrival of Jesus at the end. Like we've sung... All of these songs this morning, like weird songs to start the Christmas season with, right? About the coming of Jesus, even so come. Like a bride waiting for her room, we'll be a church ready for you. Why would we sing that in the season? Because there's another arrival that we're also anticipating. The arrival when Jesus comes and the new Jerusalem comes down and everything is made new. Like that's a part of our story. And so we are about those things. And, and the arrival of Jesus is meant to be good news. Like as we read through the Old Testament, as we read and they're waiting for the Messiah, we begin to hear some of these promises, some of which we'll talk about today. Uh, And just like a a helpless plug, we've got this um, devotional for the month of December that we're handing out starting today. It starts December 1, but it's all about this Old Testament longing for God to do things. You can take one on the way out. Uh, We would love for you to use that as a way for you to deepen and learn Jesus in the season of Advent Um, But the whole story of the Old Testament is them in many ways, both seeing God's faithfulness, but also knowing that God has promised things that they've not seen fulfilled yet. And so they're waiting and they're eager. They long for it. It's the same with the second coming of Jesus. Matter of fact, some scholars call the church today, they, they say that we live in the already and not yet kingdom. We live between what God has already done in Jesus and what he will do when he comes to make all things new. And so we are in a season where we both have seen what God has done, but we're also waiting, like we're waiting. And I think we feel this in our world. I think we feel it every time I get a phone call about somebody who's sick, another diagnosis. I hear about a family situation or a tough tragedy that has happened, or you just read the news and you see war and conflict and corruption and injustice. And you're just like, how long is it gonna be like this? That's the waiting season that we are in between what Jesus has done and what he will do. Um, Advent's a season where we talk about what it means to anticipate and be ready for the coming of Jesus. Uh, I know that when we go on trips sometimes, we are usually a combination of two things. And Catherine is uber prepared, and I am very last minute. So oftentimes, When we're packing, her packing might start even a week out before we're making a trip, especially if we're bringing boys because they, chances are, if you know where it is today, you won't know where it is tomorrow. Uh, And I am very uh, last minute sometimes. And so there's times where her readiness leaves her just like waiting. And I'm frantically running around trying to make things happen. Um, Anticipation and readiness is like a mark of a church who believes that Jesus is coming. And in the Old Testament, as they awaited the sending of the Messiah, the word Messiah means sent one, the one that God would send to his people. They waited with a readiness. Matter of fact, most of the the way that you hear the Pharisees and stuff operating in the Old Testament is they were trying to keep the rules so that they could be ready when God did something. Like, It might've gotten off track, but it had a good heart behind it. They wanted to be faithful and ready when God was going to choose to send his Messiah so that they could be the people they were made to be. In the Advent season, the church lifts up like four uh, values that kind of point us towards the practice of this season. You'll see them on these signs up here, hope and peace and joy and love. These four things are things that we're going to lift up in a very prophetic way over the Advent season. Um, And we're starting today with hope. And so we will name this and talk about it. We'll light candles as, again, like as a prophetic way of saying that light is breaking into the darkness. Like despite what we see, despite what we often feel, despite what is happening sometimes in our own world, that there is something that is more true than what we see. And it is what God himself is doing and will do. And we lift that up and anchor ourselves. So our first sermon today is going to be called A Thrill of Hope. Like from that line in O Holy Night. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Like that is the beauty of the gospel message that we want to stand in as we start the Advent season. So I'm going to go back to Isaiah that we read. Um, In Isaiah 40, as the prophet is being told to comfort his people... He says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Uh, I just love that the prophet starts off being instructed to comfort a people who need comforting. Like we live in a world where we feel the ramifications of sin and sorrow. Like we have seen our own sins and its effects in the world and we've had been sinned against. The brokenness of our world And our contribution to it are things we're well aware of. And the prophet is told by God to speak to them. And he says, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall be made level. The rugged places become a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The word that the prophet speaks to the people is a word of comfort that meets them where they are. But God's solution is not the solutions they've seen in the past. For Israel, God's solution is they showed up. He showed up for them in Egypt and he led them out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He, the miracle was that God's presence led them forward in victory over their enemies and brought them into this place of promise. In many ways... It would be make perfect sense for them to say, "Hey, be comforted, because I'm going to send you a Moses who's going to lead you out of the situation you're in. I'm going to send you a leader. I'm going to send you a person." That would kind of make sense, or for them, to God to say, "I'm going to do this miraculous thing, and you'll see my deliverance, and my power, and my victory." But here, the pro- the prophet doesn't promise a miracle. He promises God Himself. He says that God himself is going to show up. And when God himself shows up and when he does, everything is going to change. The instruction to to make the mountains low and lift up the valleys, to, to, to prepare a way, which if you've read the New Testament, you know these are the prophecies that speak of John the Baptist and his ministry, paving a way for Jesus to be seen as the Messiah who was coming. The promise is that a pathway will be seen where God will show up and he will be seen by his people. It doesn't mean that they will necessarily embrace him, but that God is going to make it obvious that he is sending his his son. He himself is going to show up. This is why it's profound when we, we hear in Luke as the angel announces to Mary. She says, don't be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Any reader of this who was Jewish would have heard that and been like, you're saying that Mary's son is the promised one. Like the prophets promised that God himself was going to show up, that he was going to send someone to lead Israel and to see the kingdom of God come to earth, and you're telling us that that person is Jesus. They would have anticipated that, that God himself was going to enter this mess and set it all right. This is why Christmas is always more than trees and gifts and decor. For us in the church, this is a season where we Anticipate and celebrate the fact that God shows up and gets into the mess and rescues people. Like, have you have you ever been in a season of life where you needed to remember that God shows up and gets into the mess? That God shows up and gets into the mess of our world and our lives and our own brokenness and sinfulness. That God sees us where we are and he doesn't stand back and condemn. But instead, he humbles himself and enters into our world. Like, I guarantee you, you know people right now who are in a season of life who don't believe that God would ever show up in their mess. That if anything, they believe to, to show up, maybe even to show up at a building like this, they'd have to clean themselves up. They'd have to do a bunch of good stuff to counteract all the bad. They'd have to balance their scales. They're going to approach it in a way that's so foreign to the good news, which is that while we were yet sinners, Christ dies for us, that Jesus steps into a world that can't redeem itself and brings rescue and redemption. Like we're in a messy world. We need a God who'll show up in the middle of this and do what only he can. John, who wrote the book of Revelation was given a vision for seven churches that were in the midst of persecution and mess, who were in the middle of seeing the Roman Empire destroy everything that they thought Jesus was coming to do, the Roman Empire was doing the opposite. And they're sitting here wondering, where is God in the midst of this? Again, have you been there? Maybe even this week, where is God in all of this mess? And the vision that they're given is a vision of the lamb who was slain, who comes and conquers? Like like we just sang in in the Revelation song. Like that song is ripped out of Revelation four and five. It's a vision of God who comes and humbles Himself, and through His death and His resurrection, brings a victory over all and ushers in a vision of the future, like we read. In Revelation 21 where it says, I saw a new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. I want to stop there. Coming down is a picture of heaven coming to earth. So not an escapist picture where he's going to take you out to heaven, but that heaven's going to come down and restore everything. This is an important thing for the good news to be good news in our world, is that the picture that God has of him restoring the world is restoring the world, not abandoning it. It's not to abstract his people, but it's for him and his entire kingdom to come down and to make everything right. He he sees the new Jerusalem prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And he says, a loud voice from the throne says, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Every one of his readers who grew up reading the Old Testament would have heard Deuteronomy and Exodus and Joshua and then the promises of the, the, the prophets who were saying God's going to set up his dwelling among us again. God's going to show up. And when he does, everything is going to change. He says he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. He said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. This is such an important vision because this is the vision that God gives his churches to stabilize them when all they see is the opposite of the kingdom in their world. What he offers them is hope. He offers them hope. The promise of a future that is secure because Jesus has died and is raised. The Advent season starts standing on hope. I mean, the writer of Hebrews says, faith is the assurance of what is hoped for. Like if we are to be a people of faith in the world, then it means that we're going to stand on the future as if it is a sure thing. And that is a hard thing to do when everything around you screams to you that the future is not secure, that it's not safe, that God's not going to keep his promises, that God's not going to be faithful to his people. But this is what this season does because this is what we see over and over in scripture, that when people are in a place of despair, one of the things that happens is that the promises of God are lifted up as an anchor point that we fix ourselves to, that we believe more in the promise of God than we do our present situation. That we can say, this is, this is not how it should be, but this is also not how it will be. And that's our hope. That we anchor ourselves believing that God's promises that have not yet already come true will come true. And we know this and we say this confidently because some of his promises have already been fully realized in Jesus. Like this is a gift that we have that even the Old Testament, like Israel in the Old Testament doesn't have because we stand on this side of, of Jesus. Like we stand on the cross and resurrection side of Jesus. The already part of the already not yet are the thing we keep in focus. I mean, Scripture says the resurrection is the first fruit of the future that is coming because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. He is the first fruit of the resurrection of it all. Like we know all things can be made new because Christ himself was made new. He was raised by the father and fully, like fully glorified. And now he's ascended and seated at the right hand. Like this is a picture of the future. The spirit given to us is a seal and guarantee that the future that is coming will be ours. This is why it's such a critical thing for us to understand the role of the Spirit in the life of the church. Because the Spirit is given to the church as a seal and a guarantee that what we haven't fully experienced is on the way because we already have the presence of God with us. That is in itself evidence that the promises of God are in the process of being fulfilled and will fully come. And that the mercy of God, the mercy of God is on display in the fact that he hasn't arrived yet. And it's mercy, not for us, but for those around us that God loves and gave himself for. He's put us in this position. He's given us the assurance of the resurrection and he's poured out his spirit to anchor us so that we can say our faith is assured. Our hope is coming. He's going to fulfill his promises. In First John the writer says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But what we know that when he appears, we shall see, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. John says to his readers, first, like, don't get over the fact that you are his child. Like, part of the fact that you know the future is coming is that you've been made a child of God. You have been redeemed and rescued by the work of Christ. If you don't have assurance about that, we can talk to you about that today. Because God is welcoming you to come just as you are to become his daughter and son in faith. But if you have that assurance, and I love this, he says, look, we don't know everything. And that's good. That relieves a lot of pressure on all of us to have everything figured out about the coming of Christ. Anytime anyone is convincing you that they've got it figured out, they need to go back to the scriptures. But he says, what we do know is this, when he arrives, we're gonna be like him because we'll see him as he is. One of the things that is a mark of the promise of God is that the people of God have their eyes fixed on Christ to the point where they are being changed. And we have the assurance that we will be changed completely. This is why it says, that's why everyone who has this hope purifies himself. Like we cast off the things that are worthless and we pick up the things that are worthwhile. We put down temporary things. We pick up eternal things. We make our relationships and our time and our energy and our efforts and our resources, we point them in the direction of the way that history is moving, which is towards the place where God comes and makes all things new. We're not caught up in civilian affairs, as Paul told Timothy, but we're focused on the kingdom and what it's all about. This is the, the heartbeat of the Advent season. Is if you have hope, then be ready. If you don't have hope, then look to Jesus because he is our hope. He is the one that every promise of God has its yes in, according to Paul. Every promise of God finds its yes in Christ. And we see God's faithfulness to us already. If he has done all of this and he's not done, and the cross and the resurrection, like if he did nothing else for you, your whole life, this would be enough. And yet it's not. That's not where his promise is in, because he says, I'm coming to continue this, to completely redeem and rescue everything. Don't lose sight of this church, because if you lose sight of it, your hope will dwindle. So today, as we start the Advent season, we have to kind of announce to us, to to each other even, that the future has begun. I mean, Christmas, the birth of Jesus is like the beachhead of the kingdom of God breaking into everything. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. Like all of the rest of this is what happened in Bethlehem. Just continuing to work its way out until everything's new. Because when Jesus showed up, God's promise to his people that he would come and he would bring restoration and new life. Not just to the souls of men, but to all things. That promise Has already begun. The future is here, and we're standing in it. We stand between what God has done and what He will do, and we pray the bold prayer of Advent, which is this word "Maranatha." Word "Maranatha" means "Come, Lord Jesus." It is like it is a cry for God to do something, but it's also like a prophetic announcement that the Lord is coming. Do you believe that? Do you believe that with an urgency? That the Lord is coming. That he will fulfill his promises as sure as he is raised from the dead. And that the moment that you're in and the circumstances you're in, no matter how dire, will not have the last word because he is able to make all things new. I want to remind you, church, you are a people who have hope. Because you have Jesus Christ. We have to remind ourselves of this because sometimes we can lose sight and fall into despair and anxiety about the future instead of seeing that I am as secure and my future is secure as the grip of Christ around me, as the seal of the Spirit put over my heart. You have a hope you have to fix your eyes on it to be the people that you're called to be in this world. As we enter this season together, and even as we come to the table, we come to the thing that anchors us to be who we are. Jesus Christ. And the good news is, He's coming. We know it to be true, because He's he's already come. And what He's begun has changed you, and through you can bring change in life into your world until the day He comes and makes all things new. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself, readies himself. So I want to ask you two questions. I'm going to invite our band up, and we're just going to enter a time of reflection before we go to the table. Uh, one would be really simple. It's like, do you do you believe that Christ is coming? Good. If you do, I just want you to let that hope fill your heart. And think, where in my life do I need hope that I don't have? The second question I want to ask, uh, just for this season, is what's it mean to be ready for Christ to come? To not be frantically throwing stuff in a suitcase like I do before I travel. But to be the church that's ready. Ready? because that's the challenge of the advent season is if he is coming and he is how do we respond in readiness what's that mean for my life practically